0: Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number forty-one. This week on the episode, I've got a awesome conversation with Mike Kruger of the band Charming Liars. Um, it was a lot of fun talking to him. You guys will see in this episode. We didn't necessarily stick to any real format, question answer thing. Uh, We both just really um, had a great conversation and talked about all sorts of things, about how uh, COVID has affected the music industry, how bands can kind of maximize and leverage with Spotify and Apple and all the different streaming capabilities. Um, We talked about what that's going to make concerts look like in the future and things like that. Um, It was really, really cool to talk to Mike and get his insight on this sort of stuff. Um, I think that his perspective was, was really refreshing and really uh, informed, especially on the artist's side. So, definitely want you guys to listen to this whole episode. I know it's going to be a little bit longer, and it's not all about just their music. We did definitely talk about their new music. Um, they've got a new single out called Disco Elvis, uh, they're constantly releasing new music and have plans to keep doing so until it's safe to tour and whatnot again. Um, but yeah, Mike was an awesome guy. You guys are going to hear in the the episode towards the end there. Um, we kind of talk about that he and I definitely want to do another episode. We'll probably make it a bonus episode or something. But where we just... Take a topic, you know, or a problem or whatever and just kind of dissect it and, and analyze it and things like that. And I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, so listen to the episode. Send us a, a message, a comment, you know, whatever. Um, and let us know if you have some ideas for something that we should talk about or that you'd like to get Mike and I's perspective on. Um, because I'm sure that we both would be very willing and happy to, to do that. Um, you know, we tried not to get too political with the COVID thing, and I think we did a good job on that, but, uh, we're not opposed to, you know, if you guys are like, Hey, we really want to know about more about the Spotify analytics that, that we talked about, or, you know, problems that, that you have in your music scene or, even to some degree, I think Mike and I would be okay with like socioeconomic problems. We may not have all the right answers and we may not have, you know, all the knowledge to solve them, but we'll definitely, uh, you know, dissect and, and talk about whatever we can. So again, it was a great conversation. Highly recommend you guys check these guys out. Uh, again, their name is Charming Liars and this is my conversation with Mike. All right, man. Awesome. Well, to start with, I do, I do always open with the same question, and that's the simple one, though, and that's just, what's your name, what do you do in the band, and just a you know, kind of brief background on yourself.
1: Uh, my name is Mike Kruger, and I play bass in Charming Liars. Um, we've been together uh, under this name since 2013, but me and the guitar player uh, started playing together when we were 15 all the way back in London, so it's been a... A lifelong project, uh, um, at least my adult life. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about that a, a little bit. You know, the early formation of the band, um, you guys have been around for, for quite a while now. Um, and just kind of the difference that you've seen, being someone that has kind of transplanted from being in the UK to uh, being stateside now for a while, What's that kind of transition? How does that look, you know, from a an industry standpoint, really, you know, the, the difference on the UK scene and how the process works there versus what you can do here?
1: Well, what's what's very interesting is I moved, me and Carnegie the guitar player, moved over from England in 2011. And the corresponding decade almost has been such a... Uh, important one, depending on which side of it you look at <laughs> um, for for how music works and and the music industry in general, like when we first moved over here, it was the more traditional um, story that you hear, which was the kind of like we were shopping songs around labels and got development deals, and all this being kind of like the major label kind of. Uh, trope that you've heard a million times. Right. band comes out to LA and, and we got far in certain meetings and we ended up signing a deal um, with Universal. And it was, at the time, being green and relatively young, uh, we were like, oh, well, that's, that's it. Like, we've signed to a major label in LA. Let's now become super famous. That's just what happens, right? <laughs> right. Like, you've done the hard bit. But um, it was an interesting time. Uh, to learn and also to see the change within labels at that period of time, like because labels have been the major labels, especially have been struggling for a long time to actually stay relevant beyond their power at radio and at marketing. That mm-hmm. is that is the two major kind of assets that being on a major label um, can help you with, but that's not enough um, to make yourself. A viable business, really, for labels. So they were just trying to rejig their their roster. So I I remember a new um, head of a label came in and basically, in the space of two months, dropped every band that had a guitar in it because that was they were refocusing on uh, singer songwriters or or dance acts or or whatever the refocus was. So um, it was just kind of like at that point we were like, well. The way we operate and the way we prefer to operate is very kind of like, we, we like to be in control of everything. And so being with a major was overcomplicated. So we just kind of decided to continue exactly as we were doing without the structure of a, a label being involved and each taking up individual responsibilities for the day-to-day running of the band. And that's how we've kind of been operating for the last five years. And it's been actually the most productive um five years of our existence because we have an idea and we can action it the next day without without i honestly without the expense of having to do things the traditional way like i'm very proud of how we can get things sounding and looking uh like they cost a lot more money than they actually did just through doing right. them ourselves right you know
0: right and I, I think that's a a really interesting point of view, you know, that maybe a lot of kids, especially, don't really realize because you know, anymore, people still think the the major labels where it's at, and it is for some people. But I think there's a growing movement, and and I think this is kind of what you were alluding to. There's there's a growing movement of DIY and independent label artists that are able to capitalize a lot better because they're not handcuffed to a major label saying well we only want you to do that this way and we're only going to let you do this many songs you know like there's there's a lot more freedom to potentially gain um different revenue streams or uh opportunities to be creative and things like that
1: exactly it's it's in my opinion it's about changing the relationship between artist and label, which historically has been more a employer-employee kind of thing, like your label is the boss and we've all heard the horror stories of labels just deciding not to release albums that Mm -hmm. bands have slaved over. So now, because the power is switching to the actual artist, like an artist, if you're uh, uh, unsigned and blowing up on SoundCloud and have a legitimate fan base, Uh, and a demographic that you can turn to, then you can enter into more of a partnership with the label because the label needs you more than you need the label. So you can kind of come in with a slightly stronger hand into the negotiations and be like, hey, look, I'm going to handle all the creative stuff. We're going to enter into a kind of business agreement where you uh, will help me take it to the next level through promotion and organization. But this is a partnership and I'm... I'm retaining control over my creativity. So, labels aren't completely um, useless, but they just have to re, they have to tailor the way that they work specifically for the artist because now an artist can have power. It Doesn't always work like that, but if right. you're lucky enough um, to be in that position, you actually have that power now, which is nice.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's a, a perfect example would be, you know, like you were saying, the kind of the old method. With especially major labels was that was really the only way you're getting on the radio, you know. Unless yeah. it was a little local radio station that maybe you knew somebody, you know, to get any real airplay, you had to be built into a record label, and um, you know. And nowadays, that kind
1: of that kind of still exists though, because we've in in our many different kind of uh, levels of trying to uh, break the band, we explored the avenue of radio, which unless you are attached to a major label you just can't penetrate um, and unfortunately or fortunately depending which side of the coin you look at it from uh, radio still plays and radio playlists still play a really important role in in kind of booking tours and everything that comes with uh, the promotion of your band if you can if you can give someone a sheet of paper that says you're getting a thousand spins a week you're your money at that point, and that's where the majors can can yeah can can do that to you.
0: yeah, for, and I, for you. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think maybe and you might agree or disagree on this. I think the shift is happening though, where with Spotify and like satellite radio and things like that, you know, artists are able to to kind of dive in like on the Spotify specifically. Let's use that as an example. You know, there's all kinds of analytics and metrics that that are available to say, like, "Hey, you know, I get, let's say, a hundred thousand monthly listeners, and these are these are the areas that they're from." So that does help to some extent, but I think oh, you're. I, I think I, you're right. I,
1: I agree with you that that is way more important a statistic or a metric to uh to look at than you getting played on radio because I, I don't know about you but i i only listen to the radio when i'm in the car mm-hmm. and most of the time i'm not listening to the alt stations because unfortunately they've all been monopolized <laughs> by one company So they play the same stuff and as much as i love at least i'll speak to la as much as i love nirvana and the red hot sheep and sublime i i'm not going i've heard those songs enough in my lifetime right. there's nothing on the radio for me so i listen to spotify and and you can say, I think, as an artist, you can say, "Hey, look, 100,000 people are listening to me. They've actively searched me out. It's not like they were sitting in their car and my song just came on. Right. Like, they've chosen to listen to my song. So that's a way more important." Me- I, I don't think radio is important unless you're in the in the top 40 pop market. Like it's for a band like us, radio is. You're not gonna. There's no music. There's no guitars on the radio, really. Right. Um, anymore unfortunately um, yeah.
0: yeah and i think that
1: exists. yeah sorry
0: <laughs> i no you're fine um i was gonna say i think that's the nice thing too with with like sirius xm and the satellite radio side of things is they that does open some more doors because you know there's so many channels on there that you know you have a little better shot i think overall but at the same time it's to me, it's still very randomized um, in the sense mm-hmm. that it's up to the DJs in that channel what they're playing versus, like you said, on Spotify, somebody typed in our name to find our music because they wanted to hear us Yeah. versus, oh, that came on the radio. That was cool. But the, I think the flip side of that, or maybe the duality of that is they hear, let's say, one of your songs on the radio it may or may not transition into them searching you out on Spotify or or YouTube or whatever. But the amount of people that it does transfer to that, I think are going to be the fans that are also more likely to buy tickets to shows. And that's why I think that metric for, you know, bookers and stuff like that is a, a more important metric because, you know, let's say Chicago, for example, we get, 30,000 listeners a month that are just out of Chicago. Well, that's a pretty good chance I'm going to sell out that show now. Yeah. So, you know. Well, that,
1: it also, it also interestingly, because from an artist's point of view, we now have, like Spotify has a separate app for artists where you can see all the analytics to your plays and where people are playing it from in the top cities. And that actually influences us when it comes to booking shows. Right. There are, there are some markets that wouldn't, you, I wouldn't think of the top of my head to include in a, in a tour routing, but then you're like, well, the, the data is sending me here. I know it sounds really unsexy, but that's, that's how sometimes you, you book stuff and stuff, how, how stuff happens is by looking at numbers and seeing um, where it works and having, we've had very random spikes in random parts of the world. Like there are some strange countries in the world where we're quite popular, which is always very entertaining. Uh, yeah. But we can now exploit that because we're like, hey, like I was saying earlier about having the flexibility of being like, oh wow, there's opportunity in Mexico City, which is only three hours flying from LA. So right. let's go, let's go do it. What's stopping us? Um, whereas that would take a whole heap of time when going through um, the other avenues, you know. Yeah. We can just go do it.
0: Yeah, and I think it it helps too because and you know being on on the band side for you um you're able to look at that data and say you know Mexico City or Vegas or Portland or wherever you know those those shorter plane trips it's like you know what we could probably book a weekend show and just fly out do our show for you know a day two days whatever the the promotion is and then we fly back and we're not really out any money you know like it yeah. it helps that that off season if you will still being able to do some stuff
1: ever uh, even more so now in the new world that we're living in i think that's going to be more the way uh shows of like i don't know i'm i'm just giving my opinion on what might happen (laughs) i have no information um that you don't but everyone's kind of thinking how are shows going to come back because i'm really concerned that that's going to be really the aspect of life that will be one of the last things to return to normal which is which is fine. Obviously we want all the other more essential aspects right. of our lives to come out <laughs> to normal. But selfishly I think back to March when we were last on tour and look back to those shows and be like, Oh my god, will that be the last time that we have one of those crazy nights where everyone is crammed next to each other and sweating and like you know, there's that energy in the room that comes with like a massive rock show and and will that happen again? And and obviously we don't have the answer to that. But it's going to take some very ingenious methods by some bands. I think some band is going to come up with the killer way to play live. I don't know what it is, whether it's bubbles or holograms or some <laughs> shit, it's going to be something yeah. like, but it's, it's going to be different, but potentially exciting, but yeah, you're going to just to circle back to a point, we're going to have to use uh, analytics like that because it, we can't just do what we did previously, which is, book 40 shows and yeah a lot of them are packed but sometimes you've got a 12-hour drive between two states so you put a show in the middle just just why not Uh, and yeah it's not the biggest show in the world but you won't do that anymore because it will probably cost a hell of a lot more to play and you know we're gonna have to be more selective i i fear
0: yeah and i i mean i would agree i mean indiana um and we'll we'll talk about you know out there in la for you on kind of the how the the area is responding, but like Indiana, we're, we're slowly, you know, been trying to open up, you know, bars and and restaurants and all that sort of stuff. Um, And we've got a few venues that are kind of close to me in the Indy area and whatnot that have come up with some kind of cool ideas. So there's one, it's a, it's a little bar that has normally it's like a 400, 500 cap room. Um, But out the back, Door. There's literally this giant parking lot. So they have they've taken uh shipping containers and made those into a stage, and they're calling it the Hi-Fi Annex. And oh, i played on... the Hi-Fi in Indy. Okay, yeah, I know
1: yeah. The Hi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I, know I parked in that parking spot. Yeah. Back, so back. Yeah, yeah. So
0: out back at the Hi-Fi, they're doing this this outdoor um like setup, and people they've done it for two weekends so far. I think it is. And people seem to be responding to that pretty well. So there's gonna to have to be like you were saying earlier, there's gonna to have to be some creativity on how can we do this safely, but still give people a show.
1: Yeah, and I think the the good the good thing and the the thing that gives me positivity is I think because I know from personal experience that I'm gagging to go to a show right. and I <laughs> believe that most of the countries in the same boat, so if I have to do something a little bit weird in order to see my favorite band, I'm not gonna, I'm not like, I don't care. Like, uh, it's not gonna stop me going to shows. And I believe people are gonna be even more interested in going to see bands. And there should be a kind of, hopefully the the community that is music will band together as it has been. And, and people will kind of realize how good we had it. Right. <laughs> and how we never wanna take it for granted again. You know, yeah. like so. Yeah. I think it's it's,
0: it's it's definitely an eye opener.
1: Mhm. It it is, and it yeah, it's 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 been very strange. Um, from a kind of very selfish point of view, just having a period in time where you just stop working and don't know when you're going to work again, which is how I'm sure most of the country is feeling right now. But um, I'm positive that. We will get back to a state where things will be at least in the musical realm exciting and and i think there'll be like we we're talking about earlier i think there's gonna be a lot of really cool new bands all, imagine how many musicians have just had six months to sit at home and write albums there's gonna be so much music yeah. coming like it's crazy yeah. what we're potentially in store for and then all these bands are gonna tour at the same time we're gonna have to make some serious decisions about bands clashing And going to shows, you know?
0: Yeah, and I I think that's... It's going to be interesting in the aspect of... I ran into this, obviously, before COVID happened. Um, I do concert photography and all that as well. And um, in Indianapolis at the Egyptian room, the Murat uh, Mm -hmm. Egyptian room, it's the old National Center now, I think. But um, basically what they did on the same exact night... And you're a musician, so you'll find the the irony and hilarity in this. So at that particular venue, there are two, two different playing spaces. There's the upstairs, which is the Egyptian room, and it's like a maybe 3,000, 4,000 uh, cap room. And then they have a, one in the basement called the deluxe, and it's like a probably 1,500 cap. They booked the same genre of music to play at the same time on the same night.
1: Oh, my God. So they
0: had, they had Illinium upstairs with his crowd and his whole tour. Mm. And downstairs, they had Griffin with his whole tour. Doors were at the same time. Set times were the same time. Like,
1: Oh, I, that why, just...
0: Why? Why would you ever book the same, especially the same genre of music?
1: Yeah, I'm also just imagining what an absolute nightmare it will be backstage. Because a lot of these venues that have two rooms only have, like, one Staircase or yeah. one elevator <laughs> and we've been stuck being, being a small band, low band on totem pole, waiting to be the last one to load out and it's yeah. like two in the morning after they've got all their stuff out of there, but yeah
0: yeah uh, well and for me, you know I, w- I was actually uh, photo passed for both of them, so I was running up and down the stairs, like trying to get to each set and mm-hmm. it, it was just a madhouse, and I was like, why would you not? Book if you're going to book the upstairs room as an edm dance you know genre why would the basement not be something completely different yeah so that you don't have the exact you know what i mean because you're going to have also you're going to have fans now at that point where it's like well i'm fans of both which one do i go to yeah yeah that's
1: that's that's, not the greatest booking or (laughs) venue management but yes
0: but I think I, that's what you were getting at with, you know, people are going to have to really plan stuff out because there's going to be so much stuff out on tour at the same time when it does finally open up. Yeah, tonight. and
1: I think, I think we're going to maybe see a resurgence of... Because they kind of died out in the last decade or so, but the, the touring festivals, yeah, warp Warp Tour, and, and there were a bunch uh, back in the kind of... Uh, mid 2000s that were doing quite well that had like a really strong lineup that would just tour um like car parks and amphitheaters and all that stuff i think that that may return just as a pure value for money and also from a business point of view i think there's gonna be a lot of like you say competing acts Mm -hmm. like bands six bands all in the same genre have all released an album within two months of each other and and it's going to be hard for fans to choose, and uh, no band wants to lose out. So why not just join forces and make? I think we'll see mega tours and and all this all this stuff because it's it's going to be easier to play big shows and small shows. Right. So I think they'll they'll push for that. Um, which again is just going to be very interesting. Um, and I also, not to sound too pessimistic, but I also fear that there's going to be a couple of bands that won't survive this, which is. Which is sad, like, I, I just, I, I don't know who they are, but I right. have a feeling that the end of this, will be like, oh, what happened to that band? They were so good, and then they just, we just never heard anything about them again.
0: Yeah, just... and I, I think part of that goes back to what we were saying kind of before the, the episode, um, where, you know, I think you're going to have bands that are constantly writing, constantly trying to do stuff and put stuff out throughout COVID, and then there's other bands that I think kind of took it as a vacation, at least initially. Yeah. And I think those are the bands that may struggle because it's, okay, you, you didn't really put anything out. So people, you know, it's the modern age. How much attention span do people have? And you took a time off. So now they are not looking at you. You know, is it feasible to continue?
1: Well, that's, yeah, that, that harks back to the the change in the industry because we were talking about this, we had a long debate about this before about how my favorite bands growing up, I'd sometimes wait two years between albums, Right, and I'm like, you, you can't do that anymore unless you are one of those massive acts that has a built-in fan base and can do whatever the fuck you want. Like, the band like our size has to stay within, um, in front of people's eyes. Otherwise people are just going to forget. Like we haven't made that much of an impression right. on the world for, to excuse a two year hiatus. So, well, that's kind of the avenue that we went down. We had an album's worth of material that we're going to put out all in one go. And we were like, well, we don't know how long this process is going. So we're just going to release a single and a video every month. Um, and kind of just <laughs> parcel out the music. Which Instead I of just...
0: I don't think is a bad idea. Um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of bands, obviously, through through COVID and whatnot, and you, you run into that kind of dilemma, and this is probably where you guys were at too, where, okay, we have an album worth of work. Do we put out an album that we can't tour and, and really support, or do we break it up because at least then we're getting something out there?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like... Our uh, viewpoint on it is that, we, yeah, we can't tour it. And at this rate, we were talking about it yesterday. At this rate, we're going to have... we're Basically, the, the set we played on March 10th, which was our last show, we will never, ever play again, because in that period of time, we've released nine new songs. Right. So, <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's going to be very exciting, and I'm also a little bit scared of getting back in that rehearsal room whenever that may be and having a whole album to learn and be like wow we (laughs) are a little bit rusty when it comes to playing together but it will it will be very exciting and i think a lot of bands will do that whereas bands were like us we could only release a certain amount of music while touring so our live set changed but slowly changed over time whereas this is going to be a a complete overhaul like i don't know how we're going to fit any of the old songs in at all Um, that's a good problem to have
0: yeah absolutely and i i think you know, again, this will be an interesting time for a lot of people where, uh, a lot of artists, where you you finally have, again, you don't want to take it as a vacation, but you finally have time to to really plan stuff out and hope that, you know, when the the tours can start again, like, okay, now we know exactly what kind of set design we're going to do. Or, you know, we've played with these songs enough now. We have a really interesting set list that we could do, where you know it'll really grab people.
1: That's—it's so funny you say that because that's almost verbatim the exact conversation that we had internally when this all kicked off, as we made a decision that whatever happened, we wanted to make sure that we were ready to go. That if they said, "Okay, shows can go back tomorrow," we're like, "Great, cool. All we need is like a day rehearsal to make sure all the gear works and we're ready to to tour again." Because I don't want to be in a position where because it's going to be, I'm sure there's thousands of bands in the same position as us who are going to be raring to go. So if you wait, like you're, you're going to be lost. You need to be the first ones out of the gate. So we've just been making sure that we have new music and new art and new videos and things to keep going. And that means that when it comes to playing again, we know exactly what we're going to play. We know exactly how it's going to sound. We even know what set list order we're playing in, which is stupid, (laughs) saying there's no no shows being booked, but those are conversations you like having. I love those debates. I
0: I think what will be maybe a surprise to some people is, um, I don't think, I could be wrong, but when shows come back, I don't think it's going to matter as much who is out playing shows as long as somebody's out. You know, like, because people have not had exposure to live music, you're going to get a lot of people that maybe never heard of you, but you know what? They're here. I need a show. I'm going to go to this show and just see what's up. So there's potential for so much more new fan growth out of that.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that, because I think the real experiment is actually going to be here in LA, because I don't know how much you or your listeners know about what the the scene is out here, but it's one of those weird paradoxes where this is, the center or one of the centers of the music industry and a lot of musicians live here. But the live scene is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and there is very little support. People don't come out like, well, when we play around the country, we have no problem packing rooms. But when we're playing, literally, I'm talking about a mile and a half from my house. I'm having to beg my friends to come <laughs> to come to a show because everyone's just so like, eh. Whatever, like there'll be other shows. I'm gonna, I've got better things to do. But when shows come back, I think we're gonna see a change in people's attitudes. They were like, oh, we took this for granted, and there's a bit more respect maybe for the whole industry as as being maybe not essential but necessary um to people, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I definitely agree with that, and I I can totally see that as as a issue you know it's it's a market saturation problem right you know like as much as again not exactly the most attractive way to think about music but from a from an economic standpoint it's all about supply and demand and up until covid in LA the supply was way higher than what the demand was yeah so you know you run into that where like you said people just kind of get content i guess or or lazy about it, because, eh, I don't have to see you tonight. I can see you in two months, because yes. you're going to play another show.
1: Well, I've, I've been guilty about, of that in the worst possible way, and it's taught me a lesson, and it was a couple of years ago um, where Tom Petty was playing mm. at the Hollywood Bowl, yep. and I looked, uh, I was going to get some tickets, and I called up the singer of my band, who loves Tom Petty too, and we looked at the tickets, and they were 80 bucks, and we were like, hmm... It's kind of like the end of the month We don't have it. So I went online and I looked up his age and he was in his mid-60s. And I was like, bro, okay, he'll be touring again next year or something. We'll see him. And that was his last ever show before he died. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm never, I'm never doing that again because you never know what you're going to see. That's the beauty of live music. Like, yeah. I, You never know when you're going to discover your favorite band. And I think people are going to be open even more to that because... don't know it's given everyone's this time has given everyone perspective i think on what's important
0: yeah i would definitely agree and i think you know maybe that's a bonus to um spotify and whatnot too where you know it does those daily mixes and stuff like that where it kind of learns okay you've been listening to a lot of this artist here's some people that are like them and maybe they've never heard of them before but again when they get out on tour they're like you know what? They were on that one playlist. I'm going to go check it out, and it may be the best show that they've ever seen.
1: Oh, yeah, and playlists make an absolute... Uh, they are the most important thing for a new band is those Spotify playlists, the curated ones, just because it's very rare in this world that anyone's going to take a chance on just listening to two hours of music they don't know right. unless <laughs> they're confident that it's been like curated properly. And so a lot of those playlists like the rap caviar and the and the all rock ones people religiously follow them because they're like hey I'm not going to waste my time looking for new music this is where I go every week to discover it so we've definitely had um, we've had one we've had a lot of different songs on them but it's very interesting the songs that get on there Versus the songs that don't, and how they perform. And in my opinion, some of our better songs don't end up on the Spotify playlists, and their numbers aren't nearly as massive as the ones that do. So it's it shows how how important they are.
0: Yeah, and and again, that that comes down to you know who's who's setting up those playlists, and you know what their musical taste is, and things like that. Which is similar to what we were saying about radio stations. But I think the advantage is with Spotify, it's all at your fingertips. So even if that you're like on the edge about that song like it's decent but i wonder what else they have you can just jump right over to the artist page and but see everything you've got
1: spotify is just nuts when you think about it right? you <laughs> think about think about what it was like when you were a teenager like i was i was stuck in england for a bit during covid and so i found my old cd collection and i was just like this was my this was the only music i could listen to yeah at a period of time like i And I now, and I sometimes get overwhelmed by Spotify because I can listen to anything, and I can't decide. I'm like, I, I literally don't know what to listen to because there's no choice. I showed my dad it, and he didn't believe it. He was like, "What? It's got everything." And I was like, "Yeah, it's got everything."
0: And that—that's the crazy thing, isn't it? Like, no matter what your mood is, what whatever you're feeling, it's like, okay, today I want to listen to Queen. It's on there. Today I want to listen to Metallica. It's on there. Like, you have so much openness to to any music you know it's all available um and i think it's really interesting that you say that because i was just talking to a friend of mine not too long ago about i said you know i remember the days where you would start to hear the the intro on the radio and you had to hurry up and get your tape all set and oh
1: god yeah hit the record
0: because yeah. you wanted to you wanted that song and it was it was something and else I,
1: I i had the double tech, uh the double deck yeah so i could make <laughs> copies for my friends and then like it was like it was so, the back the bottom of my school bag was all just like cassette tapes <laughs> all like smashed up in their cases and like these poorly mixed mixtapes tapes and all that stuff and i was just like god it was such a faff i spent hours doing that
0: <laughs> yeah and and now it's like hey guys i made this playlist go check it out like yeah, there's exactly. nothing to
1: it. <laughs> Two clicks away, right. you don't have to worry about any of it. But, but I think again, those experiences um, are really important in in understanding and respecting what we've got now. Um, yeah. Because it's crazy, but uh, as we were talking about earlier, kind of like the kids today, and I hate to use the kids today, but whatever right. <laughs> kids today, they don't have the experiences of never having music at their fingertips, which is why to them having to wait a period of time for you to release a song. When you're like, hey, we finished the song, and they're like, okay, can we hear it now? We're like, no, you've got to wait three weeks for promotion. They're like, yeah, but we want to hear it now. Right. Why? <laughs> why do we have to wait? And so you, it kind of harks back to that kind of, you've got to ask yourself, why am I waiting? Yeah, sometimes you do need to get it mastered and whatever, but often you strike while the iron's hot, and if people want to hear it, um, don't make them wait for it because it doesn't build anticipation anymore. It just means people forget like, yeah, it's a a different world, unfortunately.
0: Well, and it makes, it makes the availability for you as an artist to be that much more relatable. Right. So like Mm -hmm. you can be very, you know, you come up with an idea for a song that's very relatable to the, let's say the COVID crisis, you know, and it, it pertains to that back in the day, like, cool, we're still waiting on an album cycle. And then that yeah. song comes out, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, that's cool, I yeah. guess." Like, and they just move on. But now it can be like, "Hey guys, I was sitting at home last week thinking about this. Here it is," and people are like, "Oh shit, yes, that's exactly right."
1: Yeah, you can really tie into the moment that you just couldn't before. It was you—you you could write something spur of the moment, but by the time you released it, that moment had passed, or that feeling had passed, and so everything felt out of sync. But but now, yeah, with, with the speed and quality that you can achieve in your bedroom, it's, it's shocking, which is why kind of we record all our stuff ourselves, because there's, going back to the whole kind of major label conversation, we did the whole massive studio with the 64, 96 channel mixing <laughs> desk and all that stuff. And then we were like, that was a great experience, but everything took so long. Right. It took like a day to get drum sounds and then half a day to get guitar sounds. And you're just like, well, we're wasting so much time and money. So now we've just perfected our home studio, which isn't a home studio. It's quite nice, but it's not the level of, of those. And we can literally churn out songs as fast as we can write them. Right. And that's, and that's um, really important. No one else is involved. We have to wait on a producer or an engineer or. Studio is going to close at this time. It's it's really down to us, and that gives us a real freedom um, to kind of change direction wherever we're going. On Sunday, we're going into studio and just recording some cover songs. Just why not? Right. We heard a song. We're like, oh, we'll cover that. Okay, cool. We'll put out on Monday. Whatever. It's fine. It's like it's not a single or anything. It's just something fun. Right. And you can do that.
0: And and I mean, honestly, let's talk about you know the the board size in a studio. 96 channels like realistically how how close have you ever come to using all 96 channels
1: oh never it's right. <laughs> it's a uh and i don't know how to say this in the right way but it's a it's a measuring stick right <laughs> let's put it this way for for certain men and, and it was especially back in the day and that's what i grew up kind of um striving for i was like oh, i want to go to a studio that has a huge mixing desk because that's what i've seen all my favorite mm-hmm. bands do it. And then we go there, and we worked the way that they used to, um, which got good results, but was just very slow. And, and there were moments I felt really terrible saying this, but I turned to and I was like, dude, you could do this in 10 minutes on your computer. Yeah. The kind of patch bay and all the hardware wiring. And and now it's, it's the digital music production realm has got so amazingly... Um, well-crafted some of the plugins you can get which are better than the actual hardware versions that they're emulating so right. you don't you don't need a room full of equipment um you literally if you saw the space at which we uh record all our songs you're like well, where's where's all the faders there's like no faders it's <laughs> right. just it's just a mouth and a big knob to turn it up or down like that's it everything's in the box and you don't need it to um and then when we're recording videos, we go to the big studio to make it look like we did it in the right. big studio, <laughs> right? you know? Like.
0: But I, I think that's, I mean, that's really a prime example. The, the average song, like, and you could speak to this pretty clearly, like, your average song, realistically, what are you using? 12, 17 channels, maybe?
1: Uh, oh, even, even less now. Like, we used to, we were very guilty back in the day of slightly overproducing because our guitars were a bit bigger. On our earlier records we used to like double up chuggy guitars and stuff like that but we've kind of yeah i honestly I'm, I'm trying to do the calculation in my head yeah about between 15 and 20 yeah. and that's only because we're breaking out like the one channel will be like a shaker or right. like a little <laughs> a little weird sound that you don't even really hear like a lot of the songs like we did a video series where we broke down a lot of the the songs and there's a hell of a lot just kind of subtly underneath these kind of weird soundscapes and pads and stuff like that you don't really hear when you listen to it but you notice when they're not there so they take up a lot of tracks but right for just the instruments is none like yeah it's really but, it's really nothing
0: even with all that you know ambiance or background noise or whatever you're If you hit ninety six channels, you messed up somewhere on your song. I'm I'm just going to tell you it now.
1: (laughs) Precisely, yeah. The only I do know someone who does use ninety six channels, but he's like one of those film composers who does have
0: okay. That's different. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. But if you're if you're anything under that, you don't need it. And yeah, there is a complication. And I like we kind of try and limit ourselves from overproducing now because with so. At least in the studio you were limited to 96 channels. Now when you're on the computer in theory if your computer is powerful enough you can go to a 1000 if you wanted to. Right. Um, so we just try and limit ourselves because we know we could get carried away and and it's normally we're taking stuff away as opposed to adding. The first draft of something will be overproduced and then we'll spend the next couple drafts just taking stuff away and, and being like look is that really necessary or is it just um again i was gonna say a rude word but is it just uh, <laughs> showing off no, it, um, it, you know you
0: like, know it's it's oftentimes I'll, I'll say it for you it's a pissing contest for a lot of people it, and, exactly you know let's let's see you know who who's got the bigger stick if you will and why what's like you said if it's film composure or something like that absolutely makes sense But if you're a band of four or five dudes and you're using 96 tracks, you're doing, you're either not comfortable with what you're doing or you're really trying to show off. There's no other reason for it.
1: Yeah, there really isn't, but, but it's, it's nice. I will say it is nice to have that uh, option compared to where, where I started my musical journey many, many years ago with a four track tape deck. You were like, (laughs) at that point you're like, Oh God, I'd love another four channels. <laughs> that would make my day complete. But, um, so it's nice to have that freedom. But yeah, we really don't utilize, especially for a genre like us, we're not doing anything crazy production-wise. It is, while there are thing- other things going on, it is straight up kind of guitar-based rock music. So we, we shouldn't be going anywhere near those, those numbers of channels, really, at all. Right,
0: right, for sure. So um, let's talk a little bit, since we're, we're in the recording process here for our, our mindsets, let's talk a little bit about the process behind um, Impact and getting that all tracked and released, and, and for those that are listening that have made it this far and don't know uh, about your, your music that you're releasing right now, Impact is the, the newest single, it's the newest uh,
1: one, but actually we've got another song coming out tomorrow. Okay. So it's, it's there's, <laughs> we're all over we're all over the shop. There's always something coming out. But yes, Impact is the one that is out right now.
0: So uh, tell a little bit about it. Just you know, kind of the the background, or you know, what the original plan maybe was for it.
1: So Impact and I'll actually group them together because they're both interesting. The song that comes out tomorrow is a song called Disco Elvis, and they were both early on. Um are, they were the songs that were finished earliest. I think they were finished kind of November last year, and they were disco Elvis was actually going to be the first song to be released off these new batches of songs, and they were written from a new batch where it's always very hard to describe music because you use terms that may not describe it right. for, for others, especially if they haven't heard it. but we have been as i was mentioning earlier kind of experimenting with trying to change the presentation of what is essentially a four or five chord rock song right because a lot of the songs their derivation is normally uh, an acoustic guitar with one of the beatles chords thrown in there that's that's where and i believe that's where all greatest songs come from and then the task is taking that voice note that normally originates from killian our singer who Who's a good guitar player, but he's not throwing in like jazzy, weird, dissonant chords or anything. He's right. just doing his his merry best to get a melody out. And then Karnig, the guitarist, who's also the producer, will then find a way of basically doing surgery on that uh, that chord structure and finding a way to do the same thing without using those chords. Because there's a lot of harmonies and and things within music that you can get around just going a g d e chords the whole time so that's and and so what has helped us in um recent years is kind of breaking away from the traditional mold of of having just guitar bass drums and so we started adding some more electronic instrumentation we've got like a a moog sub bass thing so we do a lot of kind of electronic elements and then uh, we threw some saxophones and some brass sections on a song called Favorite Show, which came out last month, and just trying to find different ways of staying within our our sphere of influence, but doing things that um, are a bit different. So Impact, for instance, has a kind of vocoder, auto-tune, robotic uh, vocal sound in the verse, which has actually been quite uh, controversial. Some people really don't like it. but. <laughs> Whatever, it's it's not the whole album, it's literally just one verse, so right. you can <laughs> you can suck it up for 23 <laughs> seconds.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but we're just trying something, because cause why not? We have the opportunity to, um, and yeah, those songs were meant to come out uh, in January and February. In fact, we had a really big budget music video that we were putting together for Disco Elvis that was... Uh, cut down in its prime by Corona, so we've had to completely kind of reinvent how we presented the visuals for that song and ended up shooting a video that me and Killian and a dog in an apartment for a day, and it actually turned out great, yeah. um, su- surprisingly. But it's, it's just all about being able to pivot and change the order of which songs are released, which is why it's great to have a whole album's worth of stuff finished, because we can go, oh, you know what? Let's swap these songs around. Let's push that one to July and this one to September or whatever. And the kind of thing that would literally just, it would make a label manager's head explode if you sent them an email <laughs> right. asking them to do that. They'd be like, oh, we can't do that. There's too much, too many things are in motion. Like it's, it's, it's very liberating to be able to do that. And I'm, I'm very thankful that we operate in such a good way internally.
0: Absolutely. So um when Disco Elvis comes out tomorrow, uh yes. it, the podcast will go live let's see. I think we've got like two weeks when this'll go live. But so it'll be out when people are listening to it. Yes. Um Is there is that video coming out? Is it like a same day launch type of deal or it's
1: the song's coming out on a Friday and then I believe the media's coming out on like a Monday or Tuesday, so okay. it should be out by the time people hear it and Because it will already have been out, I can I can talk about it without (laughs) spoiling or anything. But we decided because we've so we have a history of like taking our videos quite seriously in the sense that like we're liked, we control all our music, we do all the production and that we also shoot all our own videos, and we've done some cool shit in the past. um, But they've all had a slightly serious undertone, so. We decided to just do something a little bit lighter especially in this current climate we were like oh, we can't do another really dark depressing video <laughs> right. so uh killian our singer went on ebay and bought an elvis costume and we proceeded to uh film him doing uh, all manner of funny things while dressed as elvis and he he i've never seen someone uh Embody a character quite like he did. He was shaking his hips and doing all the moves. It was like watching Elvis reborn. So it's actually quite an entertaining video, uh, and hopefully, hopefully, it's not as dark as all the other stuff we've done. You know, <laughs> right,
0: right? Well, we'll be sure we'll we'll tag that. You know, within the uh, in the podcast for sure. Um, so let's say you know, I don't know. In LA, you can speak to this a little bit. I'm sure as things do start to open up um obviously we want to be as safe as possible to to get out and perform but kind of i guess are you guys monitoring it like super closely so that you're you're ready to jump when it happens or is the plan to just kind of chill a little bit for the remainder of the year in the sense that obviously you don't want to put fans at risk you know what i mean you're not going to be the necessarily the exact first person out Yeah,
1: I I, I will say that we're we're never ever going to put fans or ourselves in an risk to to play a silly little rock show. But that being said, we are definitely not sitting around waiting. If you saw the text exchange between our little group, it's basically daily that we're just like, uh, just it's like a rumor mill, like everything is at this time. We're sending each other links to, oh my God, they're doing shows in Greece or (laughs) Romania's opening up. We're like, okay, well, uh, do we need to go there and play a show? Like, we're... We're gonna. We won't be the first ones out of the gate. Obviously, we're going to be taking uh, the advice of healthcare professionals and governments and all that stuff. But um, I believe that we're going to be out as soon as possible. It seems it's very depressing to admit, um, considering that uh, America is our home. But it looks more likely that we're going to be able to play shows in Europe before we can play shows here, which um, is a bit of a bummer because we had a good year planned of of u s touring, but I don't know if that i just from what I'm hearing from my touring friends in Europe, it seems like they they're getting their stuff together a little bit quicker um than they are here, so that may be the first protocol, to and then we'll see we'll see what happens here
0: yeah i I don't disagree with that I think that's a realistic as- um assessment of it you know I've seen similar reports where Again, you know, being from America, you know, we like to say that we're number one in everything and that, you know, we know how to, to do things better than everybody else. But that being said, I don't think we are handling COVID as rapidly as some of the other places have. And I think I think you're right. I think, you know, there's potential with Europe or um you know, Japan, Australia yeah. has had amazing success with it. Um, you know, I think there's more potential overseas, as sad as it is. But at the same time, if, if anything, for your fans, you know, it's one of those, cool, go do those shows so that when you come back to us, it's all perfected. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, <laughs> you'll get that's... the rusty bit out.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and like, we're, we're lucky that we have quite a lot of love in Europe. So that will be good for us too but like not to get too political onto it because that's not (laughs) that's not what I want to talk about but it's it's just such a shame because it's not the way it's it's happened here is not necessarily anyone's fault it's the the federal system which is so useful in so many ways is just the wrong thing right now because you have states there isn't like a one ruling um, government which is what happens in in a lot of the European countries, they don't. States don't have their individual rights. They have a, a kind of government telling them what to do. So it makes it a lot easier to lock down a whole country. Whereas America's kind of, which is great, which is what I love about America, because going to each state, going like going to a different country. But in in this period, it's it's been quite hurtful. So I'm hoping that I'm confident. I'm confident that this country, with all the in amazingly intelligent talented people in it will figure out um how to get over this and we will be having this conversation in two years time being like god remember 2020 <laughs> right that was... <laughs> never do that again that was a nightmare that we like There. I, the other thing I've been saying to my friends is there will be some great TV made out of this oh, in, yes. or films in the coming years. So we've got that to look forward to at least. Yeah. We're just going to have to grin and bear it for now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree, you know, again, like you said, not to get super political about it or anything. I, I think the the big problem that we have in the U S versus like the UK and Ireland and, and just the European countries in general over there, the media seems to be a lot more factually based, whereas over here, it's very politically based. And so you get so much of the information misconstrued or different narratives and things like that. And it, it becomes a, a he said, she said. And like you said, where, you know, like the UK. Yeah, there's your different little provinces or, or counties and country you know, within the country. Yeah. But at the end of the day the queen and parliament have the last say
1: yeah and they 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 don't the counties can run the laws the smaller laws within their counties but when it comes to something big like this uh but it's very interesting that you talk about the news because that is one of the most shocking differences when you travel between the two countries because if you watch the english news or the european news in short it's boring right it's it's, it's <laughs> like this older dude like monotone like there is no flashy graphics or anything but if you watch the news here whatever channel you watch it's like you're being entertained you have these personalities like i don't know the names of any of the news readers on the bbc but we could name a million different uh cable news personalities here because you tune in to see their shows right as opposed to oh let's put the news on to hear the headlines it's like oh no it's uh, Maddow or O'Reilly, I want to hear what he or she has to say today. And so it's just like, yeah, it's, it's turning the news into like the entertainment realm where that's the one thing that shouldn't be entertaining. I'm yes. totally fine listening to NPR and it being so boring that I'm like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm so happy that like there's not someone screaming or shouting right now. I just, I want to hear the boring facts, you know.
0: And I, I think that would most likely. That would assist in these types of of times where, if we were just getting the straight scientific facts, people could make those decisions more appropriately versus, like you said, it it's almost an entertainment source. so depending on who you pay attention to, changes what version of that entertainment you're getting. And I think that's the big problem here um, and again i'm I'm a lifetime American. I was born and raised here and and all that, but just being a um intelligent human being i guess is the way i'll put it you know i'm not so blind to think that we do everything the right way and i think that's again the the advantage to news outlets overseas and things like that is that it's much more factual
1: well i think that's important what you just said there because that is a uh, something i've noticed here uh, especially is Growing up in England and Europe I don't know how much experience you have with Brits but we're quite self-deprecating a little bit dour and slightly negative and we're always kind of taking the piss out of ourselves and that includes our country like we we don't walk around the world being like we don't have a chant like the Americans do with USA or anything there, right. there's a a national pride in this country which is which is so impressive but it's almost harmful sometimes because it gets to the point where if you question anything, people will go, "Oh, well, you're being un-American." That, it isn't. It isn't un-American or it isn't unpatriotic to question what's going on. You don't have to agree with everything your country says, but I think it's dangerous when people start being like, "Oh, well, if you don't like it, um, you're you don't love this country." And I can love. It. Like I'm. Uh, my mum's American, and I have an American citizenship. I have a passport. I voted and paid taxes, and I'm very um close to this country and love it dearly but that doesn't mean it's the best and i'll say the same about england england has so many flaws it's terrible but i still love it right like but it doesn't mean i'm not a good a good patriot just because i can tell you some of the things that are wrong with it and that's i just i fear that sometimes um certain people in this country i'm like i said i'm half american so i have a lot of American family members, and they won't be ashamed if I call them hillbillies, because they are. Um, so I've, I've had a lot of those Thanksgivings uh, where you get into those funny Thanksgiving debates, and, and I, I love them. They're my family, but I also disagree with some of their, their views, and yeah. their argument is, well, go home. And I'm like, well, technically, according to this blue little passport, this is my home, so
0: right.
1: I'm going to continue to have an opinion on it. Uh, so, so, uh, the to end my long tangent, I think most important thing, whether you believe uh, right or left, black or white, whatever it is uh, that you believe in, as long as you have an educated opinion, I will respect you. It's those who don't bother to read and will just quote a tweet that I, I won't enter into an argument with. If you've done your research, then great, let's talk. But, you know...
0: Yeah, and most of the time, the people that are quoting that tweet, that tweet is out of context anyway. You pick the one tweet out of the the chain to make a point out of.
1: Look, we could do a whole podcast (laughs) series on Twitter and what's wrong with it. Like, don't get me started unless you're willing to to make this a three-hour-long interview. But um, I mean, I got all night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally with you there, Um, and and we've got off-topic a little bit, but I think it's important just to for everyone at at this point just to at least have an opinion that's not just uh reiterating your parents or your friends or whatever
0: you know yeah um so back to our music a little bit we'll we'll try to redirect ourselves yeah um so you've got disco elvis coming out it's got a video is the the plan or the goal i should say because again we don't know what's going to happen as far as timeline for things clearing up is the, the goal, though, kind of to try to do a music video for most of the, the releases?
1: Yeah, yeah, that is, that is 100% the plan. Like We've always, like I said, tried to do lots of videos. Um, we always do an official video and a live video, so I believe we're going to have an official video for every one of the releases. And then when things clear up again and we can properly get in a rehearsal space, we'll, we'll make live versions of all of them. Um, just because they sound slightly different live yeah. and it's always fun to do live performances. So yeah, we like, so I direct all the videos, which makes it very easy because we can just get on the phone and, and decide what we're doing and then action it uh, the next day. So yes, there'll be visuals attached to everything. Uh Some of them, some of them are really quite cool.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um So then let's say, you know, ideally COVID goes away. Um and we'll say that you know overseas is where you have to go first in your perfect world, where would you want to go first outside of the u s
1: Oh see see we were we were actually on tour in Europe when this all kicked off, and so we were in the middle of a tour that had got cancelled so I'd like to to finish off uh, that tour first because there was some I love uh, some countries are very random. I didn't think I would love them, but that's the beauty about touring is you have these experiences. I fell in love with Germany, actually. I think mm-hmm. Berlin is, is one of the coolest cities. And and it's all my opinions are based on like the shows, right? right. I don't really get to see that much thing, but German crowds, for some reason, and, and Eastern European and like uh, Poland and and stuff like that, they're just there's game for it. They're, <laughs> it's 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 like we were talking about earlier about l a they they are starved a little bit for the live music that we take for granted over here, and so the show is kind of an event, and they turn up and they're like we're gonna we're gonna make this a night to remember and it's they're they're just nuts, so it always it's always quite fun uh going there and then on for, for personal reasons, it's great to just wander around Eastern Europe because you can eat so well and drink so well for so cheap. Right. Everyone's so nice. So it's it's great. Then I miss uh, touring America is also a culinary experience like no other. So um, we we love touring America. We always put on so much mate when we tour America. So <laughs> right. We'll, we'll be skinny <laughs>
0: now. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It's funny you you bring up Germany. I was listening to, I think it was Shane told of Silverstein's podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome, um, and I forget who he was talking to, but that got brought up about how different the fan base is over there and how like because they don't get shows as often they they remember everything about your show and it's like they'll come up to you he goes I had a guy come up to me after the show one time and was like hey you know it was a great show why didn't you play this song and this song you played them last time and he's like guy we just gave you 15 songs like what do you want from us yeah well the,
1: that's what's also quite funny about it because in these in these European countries what's one shocking is how amazingly good they are at speaking English mm-hmm. but two how some of the like some of the cultural differences in the way we talk—it is lost. Like Germans, they're very blunt, yes. <laughs> and sometimes it can come across as like so hilariously rude. Like they're not trying to be rude, but they'll just frame something. They'll frame a question in such way with such an intonation that you're like, "Oh god, they're like telling me off." Or like, "You sign this. You sign this. Yes, you sign <laughs> this." And you're like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> scary but
0: was there a question mark there i don't understand
1: exactly and it's but but they also they'll come up to me like oh my english is so terrible and then they'll continue to tell you a story for like 15 minutes and you're like your, your english isn't terrible i literally <laughs> can say please and thank you and that's as far as i get in these countries it's it's amazing but that's what i that's what i love it and it's always quite crazy especially touring around the world to see to basically meet Yourself in these other countries, you'll meet someone who's roughly your same age who's into the same kind of music, and you're like, Ah, that's that's me, that's what I would be if I lived here, you know, listening to this kind of music and living in this kind of part of town. Like, it's I don't know, that's a bit um spiritual, but I I like I like thinking like that,
0: yeah. And I, I went to Ireland uh two years ago, and you know, obviously, if you believe. The way that the irish people should be based on movies they're all drunken assholes and they'll fight you at the drop of a hat but they were some of the nicest people i've ever met in my entire oh, life.
1: oh by far the the irish are the sweetest and the funniest yeah that's that's what you've got to realize if people think they want to fight you but they're not they're just joking with you like everything is a joke yeah to the point where it's like it, you don't know what to believe sometimes because <laughs> they're just they're just having a good time i love the irish yeah they are
0: I remember. Yeah, it's people. I remember the the second night I was there. I was over in uh, Kilorgan, and I'm like, I really want some authentic fish and chips, you know, because I've oh. had it here in America, but it's gonna be different there. I know it is. Mm. And so I'm just walking up and down. I'm passing all these different pubs and stuff, and I'm like, I haven't popped my head in any yet. And I found this little old Irish guy. Had to be in his like late 70s, smoking a pipe, has the little. Uh, like, flat bill cap on, like, as stereotypically Irish as you could get. And I'm like, all right, this guy's definitely going to know where good fish and chips is. So I go up to him. I'm like, hey, man, obviously I'm not from here. Uh, I really just want, like, super authentic, great fish and chips. And this guy stares me dead in the face, and he's like, yeah, I don't don't like fish and chips. You can get a really (laughs) good steak over here. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like... (laughs) I thought everybody in Ireland liked uh, fish yeah. and chips.
1: <laughs> I they're just like it's. It, it's so hard to describe the Irish, but they're it, so lovable. Like yeah. right? just that interaction. I know exactly the kind of guy you're describing, and it must have just been so sweet and and well mannered, but just funny. Yeah. Like. And what's what's interesting? I don't know what um. Uh, because I speak to a lot of people who ask me, because half our band's American and half our Tory party's American. They're like, oh, what do people think about Americans abroad? And the American guys, they get mobbed. People love them. Like most of the countries around the world, they absolutely love American tourists. Well, not not all American tourists, but like (laughs) cool ones, you know? Yeah. Um, And there's so much love for America and American culture, especially American music jesus yeah it's made, made such a an imprint on people out there
0: yeah and i i think a lot of that goes to um the difference of the types of american tourists you know you've got the people that are super touristy and almost don't know the boundaries and then you've got people that are like you know like i'm gonna say like you and i uh that are just like cool, let's figure out, you know, I just want something good to eat, you know, real chill and just trying to be mm-hmm. personable. And those are the ones that I think that, that they just latch on to. Uh, well, it's, up... it's,
1: it's like you were just saying about the Irish. There is a stereotype that they can be drunk and right. get into a fight. And then there's a stereotype about Americans and they'll be loud or whatever. And yeah, I'm sure that that stereotype exists because, yes, there are some. Right. I've seen them. They're quite easy to spot, especially in London, like the Americans who are like, obviously like American tourists, you're (laughs) like, okay, they're wearing their like college sweatshirts and their fanny packs and all that (laughs) stuff. And you're like, okay, but the normal ones, not normal ones, not that they're not normal, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) the people I were friends with, they were just like, you or me, Um, but they spoke with a cooler accent. That was it, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's pretty much everything i've got we've we've done quite a lot today uh
1: oh yeah so i can i can talk for england as they say <laughs> <I> can, <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> i'm all about it myself so um you know i'm sure we'll we'll hit you up again to have you on another episode and and maybe we'll do the twitter or social media oh yeah uh, we should episode. have our own
1: like side sides podcast yeah where we, we'll figure where something we go out. into the go into what's wrong with the world and how we're gonna <laughs> fix it right in in half an hour right, right.
0: That'll, be... <laughs> that'll be interesting. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly we'll have a timer we got we gotta solve this world problem in 30 <laughs> minutes or less
0: sounds good i i'm definitely gonna start planning something and i i will hit you up about that we'll do like a, at least a one spin-off episode for that so that we can uh see what people oh, think yeah. of that
1: if you ever want if you ever want a strong opinion about something let me know i've got i've got a few of them <laughs> right. two of them in my pocket
0: <laughs> awesome man so um what we'll do to to kind of wrap things up here I'm going to pose two questions to you. Uh, I always like to wrap up with kind of the, we've been pretty loose anyway, but just kind of the relaxing off the wall type questions. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first one is going to be music related and that's going to be, you know, when you're able to get back out on tour, if you could set up your tour, like pick your, your uh, supporting acts with you as the headliner who is, is kind of the dream team that you would take with you right now?
1: Well, for one, we definitely wouldn't be headlining because all the bands we <laughs> would be playing with us are going to be fucking super cool, massive bands. Okay. There's no way that we're headlining that. I'll be happy just opening up the second stage or something. Um, okay, so well there, okay, so there's two. So if we're talking about like a fantastical lineup with band members that maybe aren't alive anymore, right. um, classically, like, so I grew up, in London, obviously, um, and my dad was who got me into music, and he had a huge collection of vinyl, and it was a lot of '70s stuff. And so, my favourite bands when I was a young teenager were things like the Clash, and the Who, and the Sex Pistols, and the Police. So, Solid. those four bands would be a great lineup. And then we'd change our name to something with the at the start and uh play really bad covers off in the uh, on the side stage so that would be that'd be the tour but it, like a current tour two bands that i've been listening to a hell of a lot at the moment uh they're both british actually uh one's called bring me the horizon a band mm-hmm. from sheffield and they've got a new album and they're one of those bands that um kind of change their sound every record and a lot of their fans um like are getting pissed off because they're getting more melodic and right and writing, in my opinion, better songs, but I love it. I'm a total sucker for a heavy guitar and a, and a big hook. Um, and in that same vein is another English band called Don Brocco, who uh, we had the privilege of seeing when we were, uh, you're talking about having uh, two bands on in the same venue. They were playing in the other room when we were playing when we were in Philadelphia last year. And so we got to go see their show for free and it was crazy and I love them. so. Those two bands would be a great bill for us. Awesome. Be the British British bands. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's it's funny you bring up Bring Me the Horizon. This is now going to be, I think, the third episode in a row, or the third interview in a row that I've done, where we've brought up um, just the how amazingly inconsistent Bring Me the Horizon is, but in the best sort of way. Like... <laughs>
1: I agree. They experiment agree.
0: with every single album, and somehow they kill it on every single album.
1: Yeah, like I, I from Turner onwards, like I knew them. I think we even played a show with them when we were bloody teenagers, like <laughs> back in the back in the day where it was way more metalcore and way more noisy. And and it was I, I knew of them, and I was like, yeah, it's cool, but I, I not to diminish those kind of the, the techie metal. But I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, that's just, you're just playing really fast and really hard. And then they came out with um, Sempaternal, and I was like, this is, this is the song I wish I could write. It's heavy and melodic. Um, and ever since then, I've been a total fanboy. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly am excited for them to release records. And even there, you were talking about releasing a kind of COVID song, their new one-off single, Parasite Eve. I was like, yep. Love it. Yep perfect exactly what i wanted does exactly what it says on the tin um no problem with that but i know people have issues with them and oh I yeah get
0: it. they they've always been very polarizing you know like their their fan base loves them on one record and then like you said the next record comes out and they're like what the fuck did you guys do like yeah where did this come from but like i honestly believe in in our generation ollie has one of the absolute best voices out of anyone screaming or singing uh both really but (laughs) i think honestly when he does his clean vocals it there's something to it that just really takes it to a different spot
1: he's great on record i will say live uh he does lack a little bit on uh,
0: on live i'll give you that (laughs) but
1: i i have this 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 argument before and like in my opinion there are there's different kinds of singers and there's some that are really technically good at singing and some that are really good at being a front man front man. And right. he's an incredible front man. So you kind of ignore, like, I don't care that he's not singing the high note in the chorus, right? Because he's, he's captivating my attention in other ways. But yeah, if you're going to look at it from a technical standpoint, sometimes it's a bit yeah. questionable.
0: Yeah. But to be fair with his genre of music that he's been through, he hasn't had to be perfect on it either. You know,
1: no, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want him to, I don't expect him to, that's the right. thing, it's not my, if you went and saw Mariah Carey and she was flat as much as he was, you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> she's had it, Yeah. but, but it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, um, in my opinion, I just, I'm just a big fan and I saw their last tour um, and it was exactly what I wanted out of a big rock show, <laughs> yeah. I left with a big smile on my face
0: and and not able to hear right
1: <laughs> exactly and they had strobes and everything I, all the things that make me happy in a rock show they had um and i'm a sucker for a kind of half-time beatdown I, yes. I just i just always have been um if i could put them in the middle of our songs i would but i'd be completely out of place but i love them right like so that always i i until until they make an album i don't like <laughs> which they might um <laughs> I'm on board.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the other one, I guess, may tie into to music. We'll see, depending on your answer. Uh, we're going to do the classic, if you could have dinner with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be for that conversation?
1: <sighs> oh, can I, have, can I have a dinner party? Can I have a couple of people? Yeah,
0: yeah Let's say it's a, okay. a table of four.
1: <laughs> okay, one is really random, and probably no one will even know I'm talking about, and those who do will be like, why the hell? So, as I mentioned before, I'm like half American, and so I used to spend every summer as a child over in um, suburban Baltimore, which is where my mum was from. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, there's not really much to do in the summer in suburban Baltimore apart from watch baseball. So, for some reason, I've turned into a massive baseball fan and a massive Oriole fan, which has been depressing for my whole life.
0: Right. (laughs) Um,
1: uh, But growing up, my hero was Cal Ripken Jr., so I've always wanted to have Cal Ripken Jr. for dinner. Yeah, um,
0: that's a solid just, choice.
1: Just cause I think he's like he has got the coolest uh record in all of baseball. If you're gonna do one thing, his one is the best yeah. um to be. Um who else would be up there? Uh let's I think a musician would have to be next. Um Oh my god I uh, I would actually probably go for Freddie Mercury. I I would love to uh Love to sit down and have a conversation with him. Um, from all the interviews I read, the, sh- yeah. the few interviews, he sounded like he would have been a wild, uh, wild time at a dinner. Um, yeah, probably those those two. It's a very random, really random dinner table. Um,
0: hey, I I support it. I mean, you know, I I grew up a huge baseball fan as well. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan so up until oh, so just a couple years you, ago I'm used to that. You discipline. understood. Yeah. yeah. It, it was it was a beautiful beautiful thing when it all happened. I I made the oh. comment to my buddy so the you know the rain delay happened and we're both big Cubs fans and I sent him a text and it was completely an off the wall joke, you know, like whatever um I don't believe in in necessarily divine intervention but I sent him a text. So I was like all right, this is, uh, you know, Harry Curry and, and Wrigley kind of washing away the curse, man. Like, we're going to come back yeah. and get this. Yeah. And then we came back and got it, and I'm like, oh, my God, it happened. <laughs> I remember
1: I remember watching that game in a bar in L.A., and I don't actually think anyone in the bar was a Cubs fan. Right. But everyone was rooting for the Cubs. Right.
0: Like, it's the, the perfect country, underdog story.
1: Yeah, the whole country, and it was such a good, like... Of course, like, I'm... I support a team, but I'm a fan of the sport overall. So you're always going to want um, the underdog to win. Yeah. And I also thought it was very entertaining watching Joey Kelly wind up the Astros the other night. Yes, um, <laughs> so.
0: I, I think an eight-game suspension is a little much, especially with the shortened season. Um, yes, it
1: is. The, it the is. But out here, out here, the Astros are so hated for obvious reasons. Right. So.
0: Well, so that that was the thing. I actually just brought this up to a friend of mine today. Um, is so the argument that a lot of people are making is that joe kelly was aiming for him yeah here's my problem with that he's a major league professional pitcher if he was aiming for something he was going to hit him
1: yeah, it, exactly yeah he, like they have enough control right to able, to put he was warning exact. him
0: and yes yeah. maybe you can take that as a threat or whatever but you're going to suspend him for eight games when the entire Astros organization cheated their way to a fucking World Series and got nothing.
1: Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's terrible. But uh, Major League Baseball is quite embarrassing sometimes. Like yes. I read the headlines, and I'm like, oh, God, why are you just like... I talk to my other friends, because unfortunately, I don't know what it is where you are, but none of my friends like baseball, especially none of the guys in the band. They're like, why do you... Why It's so boring and long, and I try and tell them it's good, and then things like this happen, and you're like, oh... God, it's so hard to to love you sometimes, baseball, especially yeah. especially when I support a team like the Orioles. But I'm glad it's back, um, and it's always, always always entertaining. And hey, we might even have a decent record with the short season.
0: Well, so so. That, that's the thing, you know. I think the Orioles can can do something good, and and the Cubs, like the Cubs, always come out strong for the first half of the season. Then we hit the All Star break and we come back and we're trash and it's like what happened guys it was a yeah. week off like come on
1: we we have the opposite normally right. which is i don't know which is more frustrating because when we finish the second half of the season strong you're like why didn't you play like this in april you <laughs> idiots like we wouldn't we'd be in the playoffs now and it's but you get the same thing in reverse yeah. it's just it's so frustrating sometimes and i i stopped there were a couple years between 2013 and 16 i did watch pretty much every game i had the package and then i was like you know what? i've invested too much time <laughs> and i'm not getting any of the results so i were like we don't we got to the playoffs we got into the wild cards and i got into playoff one year and that was enough excitement for me and i was like i can't take it anymore i need to wean myself off daily
0: baseball yeah uh,
1: have you been to a enough.
0: game live
1: oh yeah i go every season i go Good. every time the Orioles are on the West Coast. And then Dodger Stadium's not far from me. And the Dodgers, as my National League team, the Dodgers will do. Yeah. Um, like we had Machado a couple of years ago. And it's, it's a beautiful ballpark. Same as Camden Yards. Like, it, I'm lucky in that respect. Um, two, two nice home ballparks. But yeah, yeah. It's, I love going to games. It's the most American thing you can do. and it's, <laughs> It really is. I just have so much fun there. Um, and eat and i took so i took the guitarist to my band who's also english who has spent years deriding baseball to me and i said like, dude you've got to come to a game and we had the thing about the dodgers is as you can imagine in a town like this there's a lot of corporate boxes oh yeah and so because the game because it's like what's it? 81 home games or whatever there's always a corporate box going if you ask around so we went in one of the boxes where they give you free hot dogs right and the guitarist in my band was like wait so they deliver food to you and you don't have to move and i was like yeah and he's like dude i understand it now you <laughs> just sit here and they bring you food and drink while you watch the game it's the greatest invention ever and i'm like yep this is this is baseball this is what it's all about
0: yeah yeah it's amazing um so that's everything i've got let's uh give you the last couple minutes here to or however long it takes you um you know plug away everything that you want to plug we'll obviously link all the socials and stuff like that but um you know put everything out there
1: look i used to i used to have a long speech prepared (laughs) with all our links and all our stuff but realistically the best thing to do is if you found anything that i've said over the last however long interesting at all is to google charming liars and that will give you, because I don't know what everyone's preferred platform is. Right. You, we've even now got a TikTok, which okay. is weird. Yeah. Uh, you won't be seeing my face on the TikTok <laughs> because I'm not 14. But there may be some other members <laughs> beyond that. But you can find us on all those social networks, message us on Instagram, whatever. We have nothing to do, essentially. So get in touch with us and we'll, we'll write back. That's been the joyous thing about uh being quarantined, is I've got all this time on my hands to do stuff. So yeah, I, I implore you to uh, check us out on Spotify. We have a new song every month. Uh, we have a huge back catalogue by this point in the time, and we have got new stuff coming out all the time, and music videos. So yes, that is my big pitch to you all. Uh, hopefully I won at least one of you over. That's all, that, all we need.
0: Right, right. And- you know, I, I throw it out there in in my little outro of every um interview and whatnot that, you know, the one of the most easiest things and most beneficial for a band is giving a follow or a like on Spotify and Apple. Like yeah. that skyrockets you when people start doing that sort of stuff because it all the back end algorithms that nobody really wants to look at the more followers or likes that you have, the higher you rank, the more likely you are to get on those playlists. And there's just so literally, much growth.
1: Yeah, literally everything helps. Every play makes a difference in a, in a small way. Every follow, every click, every search term. So that's why I, I just implore people to, to kind of not do it yourself. But if you, if you like it, it's, we're not hard to find. Everyone knows how to use the internet and Spotify and uh and maybe we'll like stuff and like I said there's a as you were mentioning earlier there's if you don't like one song god there's 50 others so right. you know yeah yeah, absolutely. something for everyone
0: absolutely man well again I appreciate it and I was serious I'm gonna we're gonna come up with some sort of topic and you and I will do a, a little like bonus episode and we'll we'll have a little oh, conversation I've got,
1: on it as we've we've hit on a lot of subjects that we have in common. So we could uh we could go for, for hours on this. I'm um, I love a good chin wag.
0: Right. About, right. <laughs>
1: about things. Yeah. So anytime, you got my number.
0: Yeah, absolutely man. Well I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'll let you probably go get some dinner or something here soon and uh Oh, you know. it's
1: still the afternoon and it's still sunny. So Okay. Um, well get out and I'm, enjoy I'm, the sunshine. <laughs> you know what, just one final thing that may push your listeners over the edge to feel sorry for me and uh and listen to spotify i live in california and i don't have air conditioning so if you if you listen to spotify and give me that 0.006 cent royalty maybe i'll i'll have some air conditioning soon yeah
0: that is rough man
1: (laughs) it is hey what what are you gonna do it's the the starving artist
0: (laughs) right right (laughs) All right, man. well, I appreciate it. I'm definitely going to hit you up. This has been a, a blast for me as well. Um, yeah, I had a
1: really good time. This was fun.
0: Awesome. So, like I said, we'll, we'll keep pushing your stuff as, as much as we can. And, uh, you know, stay safe. And hopefully COVID uh, will we go really away appreciate. and we can, we can do some stuff.
1: Yes, well, where, did you, would you say the high Watts, one of your nearest uh, venues? Yeah,
0: the, the Fi um, so... Hi Fi, not high
1: Watts, sorry.
0: <laughs> no, you're fine. I knew what you meant um they are probably from my house they're like 45 minutes or so but from my the office for my day job it's like a 20 minute drive tops oh perfect. so yeah, yeah that's that's ideal. We played
1: there before and we'll probably play there again so we we'll, we can do this in real life we'll have a podcast in real life where only you and me are listening yeah <laughs> or or as they used to say a conversation right but whatever you know
0: <laughs> for sure man i appreciate it let's definitely set that up when that it, when it's all clear again
1: Yes, most definitely. All right, well, thank you so much, man, and uh, have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you, you too. Okay,
1: take care. You too. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. And that was my conversation with Mike from the band Charming Liars. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know that one was a little bit longer than, than some of the other episodes. Um, we both just really enjoyed the, the conversation. So... Um, Definitely check out the band. I'm going to have a link to all their socials in the description. Uh, On the website, we'll have one of their videos as well. Um, Great guys. Really enjoy the stuff that they're putting out right now as well. And, you know, they're hopefully going to be one of those bands. Uh, As soon as quarantine is over and, and COVID goes away and live music can happen again, you know, I know. I definitely plan on getting out to one of their shows if they get close, because just that conversation with Mike and the energy that they're putting into their music and their videos is is second to none right now. So um, go check them out. Give them a like, a follow, you know that sort of stuff. Um, let them know that you're you're listening. Uh, all those things matter a hundred percent, especially in the digital age. You know the more streams that they get the more downloads and purchases and things like that that all goes into the analytics and helps them decide where tours need to happen and you know where the the best place to do special events if they're going to do like one-off shows or things like that so definitely participate uh in their analytics by you know streaming the songs buying merch um downloading songs things like that um And that's going to be all that I've got for you guys this week. I do want to mention we are very, very close to two merch releases. Uh, First, we're going to do, you know, we talked about the summer release got really messed up because of COVID. And our printer didn't have the capability at the time because of the the rules where they are and everything. Um, So, you know, we weren't able to do like a, a true summer merch line. But we're going to release, I think we've got four designs um, coming out. And, you know, stay tuned to our Instagram or our Facebook page. That's where you're going to see us the most active. Uh, You'll see all those uh, news releases and and posts about it and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Make sure you like and subscribe to us. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, Also, the second release, we're probably shooting for mid to late september is my thoughts uh but i definitely want to do like a fall line Uh, maybe some like halloween inspired stuff or uh just you know your general uh autumn slash fall time uh type of vibes. so i have a couple plans for that as well other than that guys i promise that's everything i've got for you on this week's episode um To take you out, though, I want to play part of a new track by Charming Liars called Disco Elvis. Remember guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.